Thank you for tuning in to the latest message from Island Church, Dundalk. What a great week, what an important week, what a significant week it is on the Christian calendar. Amen. Leading up to Resurrection Sunday. Ah, church, what a wonderful week. Are we thankful for him this evening? Are we thankful for him, remembering what he done, remembering the greatest sacrifice so we could have life? Amen. Praise the Lord. I love this week. And I'm looking forward to the days ahead, celebrating our King. Amen. Who's now seated at the right hand of the Father. He's not in a tomb. He's not on the cross and he's not in the tomb. Amen. Where is he? He's glorified, seated at the right hand of the Father. And he's sitting at the edge of his seat, I believe, (laughs) ready to come back for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? It's been a couple of weeks since I've been ministering here on Wednesdays. So, well, it feels like a couple of weeks anyway, but um, I'm going to kick back into what we've been discussing over the past couple of months, and that is healing. Amen? God's will on healing, what it means, how we receive it. And, you know, we've been on this topic for many months, and, and it deserves the time. I could teach on this all year, all year, because there's so much in it, there's so much different angles that you can come at and directions that you can go and I want to give it the time that it deserves amen because I want each and every one of us to know until we know in our heart of hearts that healing belongs to us amen that we can stand for it we can believe for it and we must continually do what incline our ears to his sayings remember we we kicked off there many weeks ago in Proverbs chapter 4 that to incline our ears to God's saints, keep them forever in front of our eyes, keep them in the midst of our heart, get them down into the midst of our spirit man. Why? Because they are life, life to those who find them and health to all of our flesh. God's word is like medicine. Are you, are you taking that medicine? Are you taking that medicine? Or are you just using it whenever you, whenever you need something now and again? Or are you taking it consistently and continually? God's healing is a wonderful gift. And it is a covenant right. Who's under covenant in here? Amen. I am. And it is a covenant right that you are healed and well. Because it was purchased for you. It is available to us as his children. Jesus purchased our healing for us in the plan of redemption through his death burial and resurrection we're going to celebrate these things this coming week and why because it is the most wonderful miracle that ever has taken place and without a church our faith is in vain if Jesus didn't right if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead then our faith is in vain amen but our trust and our faith is in a living savior amen who came forth from that tomb purchasing our healing our redemption our salvation and I'm so thankful for it he took our infirmities he bore our sicknesses Matthew 8 17 he took them upon himself if he took them upon himself then you don't they don't belong to you if he took them then they don't belong to you do they 
He took them upon himself. Why? So you don't have to have them. God's will is to heal his people because sickness and disease, where do they come from? Where does it come from? It comes from Satan. Right? And God certainly does not want us to participate in anything that comes from him. We don't need to accept what he tries to put upon us because Jesus came to redeem us from Satan's power. You see, when we were spiritually dead, we were under his power. We were spiritually dead. But Jesus came to redeem us so that when we choose him, when we accept him as our Lord and Savior, it frees us from bondage. It frees us from the power of sin and death. All right? Amen? And we can walk in his life. So we don't have to take anything that Satan tries to put upon us. What does it say in John 10.10? 10? The thief does not come except to do three things. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's the only reason why he comes. But I have come. That's Jesus. I have come to give you what? Life. life. And not just an ordinary get you by kind of life. An abundant life. That's why Jesus came. Jesus came. Jesus didn't come to put a sickness on you so you could glorify him. That's not how he operates. He came to give you life and life more abundantly. But unless our minds are renewed with the word of God, we won't understand that Satan is the author of sickness, disease, and everything that steals, kills, and destroys. We need to get that truth into our hearts. If our thinking is wrong, our situations won't line up with the word of God. And the word tells us that Satan's been defeated, so he's no power over us. And Jesus came to do who? whose will? The will of the Father. And to set men free, not to hurt us or condemn us. What we need to do is resist sickness and disease by pushing back against it, refusing to accept it. What does the Bible say in James chapter 4 and verse 7? Resist the devil. Resist the devil and he'll flee. You want the devil to flee? Resist him. Now he's going to come back. He's going to keep coming back, right? For a more opportune time. He's going to come back to see can he exploit a weakness or come back to do this. But it doesn't matter if he comes back. Keep resisting him. And he'll never get close enough to be able to, to harm you unless you allow him. Resist the devil. So if you're resisting the devil, you're resisting everything that he tries to throw at you, including sickness and disease. So what do you do when this temptation of sickness comes along? Resist it. Amen? Amen. Push back against it. And when I say, church, accept it. When I say, you know, because you often hear me say, you know, when you're, when you're accepting sickness, when you're, when, you're, when you're allowing these things to come upon you, it means that you're not resisting the devil, right? But when I say accepting it, I don't mean, oh, I feel something trying to come upon me or my body's feeling something, so that mustn't mean I'm not resisting the devil. No, you could be feeling something physically, but when you stop resisting the devil, you stop fighting the sickness altogether and you just allow it to come upon you, right? I'm not saying that you're not going to feel things, but when you feel the thing, keep resisting it. Keep fighting it. Keep pushing back against it. And it, it'll go. And then maybe the next time it comes on you, it's not going to stay as long. And then the next time it's only going to be there for a short while. And then the next time it's not even going to try and come upon you because it knows. It has no place. You're not going to accept it. You're not going to allow those things to come upon you. Accepting the sickness means the fight against it stops. The confession drops. 
Your actions then begin to mirror what the natural is telling instead of what the Word is telling you. You need to get this truth settled in your heart. Sickness is from the pit of hell. It's from the pit of hell, right? Disease, it's from the pit of hell, right? All of these things are from hell. So as those who have been reborn, and as, as we are, have been reborn, we've been, full, we've been made full of this power and the Spirit of God, right? That's how we were reborn. Holy Spirit was put on the inside of us. So we should be fighting against it with that power, not only for ourselves, but for the people around us. And I just lower me down a wee bit, because I'm loud as it is. <laughs> you know, we've been covering over the last couple of weeks what it means to receive healing, right? And also the roadblocks that you encounter along the way, because there's roadblocks, right? That's why we don't see everybody healed, but there's, there's roadblocks, right? But... We've talked a lot about faith because it's the active ingredient needed in order to receive from God. You need to be in faith. You need to be believing. You need to be expecting. You need to be waiting for these things to come, knowing in expectation, right? Knowing that it already belongs to you, right? So faith is the bridge that gets God's provision from your spirit out into the natural realm, out into the physical realm, right? We cover this, and it may take us a period of time to get us into a place or a position where we can receive, but that's not... God doesn't need any time because he's already done it, right? We just sometimes need time to get us into the place where we can reach out and grab it, right? Into that place of faith. But God's not withholding, right? He's just waiting for us to get in that place. So God has already healed us. Do we believe that, church? 1 Peter 2.24, by whose stripes you were healed, right? If you were healed by Jesus' stripes, then you are healed now by Jesus' stripes. See, that's the thing that works about this past tense. If you were healed by Jesus' stripes over 2,000 years ago, then you're healed now by Jesus' stripes. Because he's not going back to get that beaten again. It was dealt with. It was once and for all. Right? So if you're healed then, you're healed now. Nothing's changed. Right? Are you ready to receive it? When you hear the word and act on faith, which on your faith, which is the supernatural faith of the Son of God, it's not your faith, right? Remember, we covered this. It's not your faith. It's not your how you see your oh my puny wee small faith. Oh, that's why I can't get what I'm believing for because my faith isn't strong enough. No, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, it's not your faith. It's the faith of Jesus, right? He placed that on the inside of you. That's how we can walk in God's healing power and be in health. So the last week I was kind of tying some things up and I was talking about our faith is governed by laws, right? God's placed things in his word of God that we need to stand by, that we need to keep working towards and applying to our lives, right? And our faith is governed by laws, right? It's not a case of just petitioning God for something, coming before and petitioning from something, believing him for something, and then you just throw everything out the window and, and just say, right, God, I'm waiting for you to do it. I'm not going to do anything that your word says. I believed you for it in that moment, but now after that, if you don't give it to me in this, 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 you have to stay in a place of faith, right? And faith is governed by laws. So when a person has need of physical healing, we don't come and beg God for something or petition him for something, right? And keep doing and keep doing, oh Lord, keep coming and keep coming as if you're out of faith. You ask him, you believe, and then you start putting these laws in motion, 
right? You start getting into the Word of God. You start doing what His Word tells you to do, and you keep working towards it, knowing that it already belongs to you, right? So God is sovereign, church, right? What does that mean? It means He's all-powerful, right? He is sovereign. However, His power doesn't flow independent of His laws, Okay, God has put laws in motion, natural and, and spiritual laws, and he's not going to break them, right? So he is sovereign, yes, he is all-powerful, but his laws, he's not independent of his laws, right? He's going to operate by them, right? Because he doesn't change, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he doesn't lie, right? So what he said in his word is, is, is truth. God doesn't chop and change what he said in his word depending on your situation, right? There's spiritual laws that govern how healing works and how healing flows. And when we run into issues and problems, it's our lack of cooperation or ignorance of the laws and how his kingdom works that keeps us from operating in them, right? It keeps us from receiving. It's our ignorance or it's our lack of cooperation, one or the other, right? It's not God refusing to give something. It's, it's us, Okay. And, and see, this is why a lot of the times this message is not very popular because people don't want to take responsibility. They want to blame God. It's the easy way out, right? Or he mustn't have chose to do it this time. Right? That's God. It's God's will to heal 100% of the time, right? God is glorified in us being healthy. God is glorified in us being strong, right? God is not glorified in you being sick, Right? So it's his will for us to walk, walk in divine health, right? And then he wants us to be healed if, if we do allow sickness to come upon us, right? But it's never him withholding from us. It's our inability to receive. It's our inability to receive. God doesn't change. And he's not going to violate his laws just because people don't understand them or because they don't cooperate with them. So just like he created natural laws like electricity and gravity, and I remember I gave that example a few weeks ago about the law of gravity, right? The law of gravity keeps us safe. It's keeping us grounded right now as we speak, right? So we're not floating all around the place, right? But if I went and climbed up to the top of this building and then jumped off it, he's not going to suspend the law of gravity and harm everybody else around here just because I'm stupid, because I'm choosing to violate his laws, Right? So he's, he's put these natural laws to keep us safe while we're on this earth, but he's also created spiritual laws to keep us healthy and blessed, but he expects us to cooperate with them. He expects us to come in line with them, right? God's laws are not the problem. You know, Genesis 1 and verse 31, you know, in the first couple of, chap in the first couple of chapters or verses of Genesis, it tells us about what? The creation. God's creation. And it tells us what? It tells us that God created these things and then he looked at them and said, they are good right? God placed these laws in motion. Everything that God created in, in this natural world, it's good, right? It's because man has violated them that it's, it's, made, them, it's made them be bad, okay? So the problem is when we violate the laws, natural or spiritual, right? So the natural laws that he put in place can be dangerous if we don't fully understand how they operate. And I was thinking about this the other day. If I go and start playing with electrical wires, right? If I go start and playing with these things, I could do myself real harm, right? Why? Because I don't understand. I'm not an electrician. I don't understand how the law of electricity works, right? But if a qualified electrician comes along and starts to rewire something, right? 
he'll be able to cooperate with the law of electricity. He'll be able to cooperate with the power that's there available without harming himself and get the power flowing to where it needs to go, without endangering himself. Why? Because he knows the laws, he knows what he's doing, and he's operating within those. He's not going to go and violate them laws because he'll harm himself, right? So when we don't have the knowledge of those things, we can be in danger. When we don't have the knowledge of what God's word says, it can be dangerous to us, right? Even in our ignorance, okay? Many people get angry at God if somebody dies or they get angry at God if a healing doesn't manifest and their attitude can be, well, if he really wanted to, he would have healed them. If I had a penny for every time I heard that, millionaire, if God really wanted to, he would have healed them. God is certainly all powerful, but there are spiritual laws that govern how faith works and how the power of God flows and we need to stay inside them. We need to stay in, in line with him and in cooperation with him. If we don't know them and understand them, we can hinder the power of God from working in our situation. We spent weeks, the beginning of this series, we spent weeks solidifying and laying the foundation in knowing, because that's the first thing you have to know, is that it's God's will to heal. Because if you don't know that, don't go any further. You're not going to be able to believe God for healing unless you know what his will is. Faith begins where the will of God is known. You need to know what his will is. You can't apply your faith to something unless you know that, it's, that he desires for you to have it. Okay? So we laid the foundation for that, that it is God's will to heal with scriptural proof and precedent. Right? It's not just me saying these things. It's we looked into the word and the word is full of it. Right? If we open up our eyes, if we, if we, if we allow our ears to hear, be plugged into his things and not man's opinions, not what religion has said over the years and, and, and taken as its own and adopted and twisted. No, if we incline our ears to God's sayings, to his word of God, to his word, and we open up our eyes and our spiritual eyes, we'll be able to see that it's God's will to heal, right? So the spiritual world operates on laws the same way the natural world operates on laws. You know, If we think of this building here, and I've often used this example, and it was one that I've often, it helped me understand some of these things. Like this building is powered with electricity, right? This is how the lights are on. This is how all the stage and the, all of these instruments and everything was powered this evening, right? There's electricity flowing into this building, right? But, and there's electricity flowing into your home or your workplace. It's delivered to your workplace by the, the power lines, right, that you see running zigzag across this entire country, right? You'll see this is how this, this stuff is all is, is powered, right? But the source of the power comes from the power company, yes, right? You're not the, so even though your home has electricity, that's not the source of the power. The source of the power is coming from the power company that you're signed up to, right? And then the power or electricity is delivered to your home via those lines, right? But you have to understand, you don't sit at home and ring the electricity company and say, I need an engineer to come and turn my lights on. Do you? No, you get up and you go and you flip the switch. So the power comes on at your command, but you're not the source of the power, right? But you have to, you have to go turn it on. You have to switch it on, right? And... 
it's not your responsibility to generate the power, but it's your responsibility to make sure that it, it's flowing. Right? So it's the same way in the spiritual world. God has already provided his healing for everyone. Jesus bore your sickness. He carried your diseases and by his stripes you were healed. He has healed you. But if you find yourself waiting around for God to do something and while you're doing nothing, it, you're violating the laws of faith, the laws that govern faith, right? God has already provided your healing. If you're born again, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living on the inside of you. You don't have a problem with the source of power. You just need to know how to activate it and release it into your life, right? It's not, the problem is not the source, which means the problem is not God, Right? The problem is you're not cooperating with him or you're not, you're not, you don't know how to activate it or there's, there's a roadblock there or is there something hindering you from turning the switch on? Right? You need to learn to put your faith into action and cooperate with God. You know, the power company that, um, that supplies the power to your house, they expect you to cooperate with them. So like we said, you know, they're not going to send an engineer out to come every single time you want to turn your cooker on or every single time you want to turn your light on, or every single time you want to have you know, a shower, or whatever. They're not going to send somebody out every single time to turn on the electricity that goes to your house. You have to do that. They'll supply it, but you have to, you have to operate it. Right? If you're waiting on them, you're going to be without power, aren't you? Yeah. You're going to be sitting there in the dark. And you can say, well, that electricity doesn't work. I have electricity, but it doesn't work. No, there's nothing wrong with the electricity. The, le the electricity works just fine. You're just not turning it on. And how many times have we heard, oh, that healing doesn't work. I've tried that. Oh, that healing, that power doesn't work. No, there's nothing wrong with the healing power. You just haven't figured out how to turn it on. Amen? Healing not only works, church, but it's available to us. He healed us. He healed every person by releasing his healing power over 2,000 years ago. Amen. Amen. If someone doesn't get healed, it's not because he didn't give it. It's because they didn't take it. We have to take it. He gave it, but you have to take it. Right? And we can't be sitting around expecting everything to just pour into our lap. Right? We have to take it. We need to know how to get the power of God flowing in our lives. You know... Over time, and I mentioned it a minute ago, that sovereignty of God message when it comes to healing, which says sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't, right? It has formed this image in people's minds. It formed, it, you know, when I think of it, I, I, I picture it like this. It's like, you know, God is sitting there, right? And he's got a, a pile of prayer requests. And he's got a wee granted stamp and a not granted stamp. And he's going through them every time they're, they're delivered through heaven's fax machine. And he's looking at them going, Melvin, nah, not granted. Paula, okay, I'll do it this time, granted. And you might say, oh, that sounds ridiculous. But that is what people believe. They believe sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. It, you know, the sovereign arm of God moves as he wills. No, he's already moved and he's already provided, but are you taking it? All right? 
He's not sitting up there going through each, each prayer request, stamping as he wishes, depending on his mercy towards us in that moment. Whether you're good enough, whether you prayed long enough, whether you confessed that scripture a hundred times today, maybe you forgot to do it once at lunch and you only did it 99 times. Oh no, I'm not getting healed. It's not on your works, it's on his grace. Now, there's things you have to do, and that's why we're talking about you know, cooperating with his laws, but it's not, it's not, a, it's not a striving, it's not a having, have to have every, all of your, your I's dotted and your T's crossed, but, oh, and then, then he's going to just go bop and release your healing. No, he's already released it. It's, a, it's on the inside of you. You just have to get it into the physical, okay? Because the Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, the truth of the word shows us the stripes on Jesus' back. God has already granted our healing. So it's now not up to God. It's whether we take it, whether we cooperate with him. You know, a wonderful example of this in God's word is the woman with the issue of blood. Right? She put several faith laws into motion. And, and you know, this verse is, is well covered. It's well taught, this, this portion of scripture. Right? She put several laws of faith into motion. Right, And maybe we'll pull out some of these in the coming weeks. But, you know, she tapped into the power of God without Jesus looking at her. Sizing her up to see was she holy enough. She went and tapped into the power of God without Jesus, you know, reviewing her accomplishments. She came from behind Jesus and touched the hem of his garment and she released she turned the switch on and the power flowed. The, the electricity was there. The power was there. The source was there. And she went and took it. Right? He didn't need to see if she was serious enough about her healing, worthy enough, holy enough. He didn't need to do any of those things. Why? Because her faith is what went and received it. She came from behind Jesus and received it. So I'm going to read these verses to you in Mark chapter 5, right? But I want to point out something in these verses. You know, we can look at this and we can talk about, you know, she heard, you know, um, we, they taught about this at the Rhema conference a couple of weeks ago. And we teach about it regularly in church, right? You know, we, we know these things. You know, she heard. Then that, that stirred her faith and she went and she got it and she spoke. And then she went and put her faith into action. And then she reached out and she touched. And those things are amazing. And that, that, they're all laws, by the way, right? She spoke. And then she put her faith into action. She heard, which means she heard the word of God. What does Romans 10, 17 say? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So unless you're putting yourself in a position where you can hear the word of God, you're violating the law. The law that governs faith. Because if you can't get faith, if you're not hearing the word. Right? So all those things are great. And all those things are pointed out regularly. And I teach them things. Right? But I want us to know something. That I want us to see something here that often gets overlooked in this portion of scripture, right? In Romans chapter five, it says, now a certain woman of blood, verse 25, had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made whole. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself the power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? 
And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, we're going to look at the power of your words and the confession because in, in, in not tonight, maybe in the weeks to come, but because there's so much in that. And it is the biggest killer. Our words are the biggest thing that lets us down. It's, it's such a big roadblock, right? And our words are important. And, and many weeks ago, I touched on that. Remember in Mark eleven twenty four, you have to speak to the mountain, right? You say to the mountain, you don't, you don't talk to God and, and petition God and beg and plead God. No, you speak to your mountain, Right? You, talk, you speak directly to it. So your words are important. And I said, you know, I was going to circle back on some of these things because I didn't really give it enough time there. But I, I'm, so this, this is another portion of scripture that's powerful on your words. Right? She spoke these things in, into existence. Right? But I want us to look at this in verse 30. Jesus didn't know who touched him. Right? Jesus asking this question, it wasn't deceptive on his part. You know that there's no deception in Jesus. He's 100% truth and 100% light. So he cannot deceive, right? Many people assume because Jesus was God that he certainly knew all things, including who had touched him. So people are, you know, many people would adopt the idea that Jesus knew who touched him, but he was just saying that to get her to voluntarily come forward, Right? That's not true. We need to understand that Jesus was both fully God and he was fully man. Right? It was a wonderful miracle. Jesus took upon himself a human body. He laid aside all of his privileges. Right? I'm going to read these verses to you. In Philippians 2 verse 6 to 8 it says, Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. In Luke 2, in, chapter, in verse 52, it tells us he increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Right? Jesus had to grow and learn things. Right? In his spirit as God, he knew all things. But since he was living in a physical body, his physical body had to learn, right? Jesus didn't come out of the womb skilled in carpentry. Jesus didn't come out of the womb as a Hebrew speaker, right? These are, tra- these are skills that he had to learn. He had to grow. He was dependent on his mother and father. He, was depe- he increased in wisdom and stature, which means when he was born, he... He didn't have these things. He increased as he was growing in his, the physical side, his human side, right? Because he took on flesh. He took on weakness for us. He was sinless, but he was human and he had to grow. The physical realm of Jesus had, had limitations. Do we understand these things, church? The physical realm of Jesus had limitations. He was limited by his physical body. You know, he used a door to exit and enter a room before his body was glorified. He grew weary and he needed to rest. He slept like the disciples. He ate like the disciples. You know, his body was a physical body. He was God in the flesh. 
So when Jesus asked, who touched me, in his physical being, he didn't know who touched him. Why is this important? Because it wasn't Jesus healing her on a personal level, on this pre-planned thing, based on her status or based on her ability in life or based on her, her works or her accomplishments, right? This wasn't done on that, on that basis. It wasn't Jesus healing her on a personal level saying, yes, I will heal you. And then he got his granted stamp out and went, boom, you're healed. He didn't know anything about this woman before she touched him. It wasn't based on her performance or on how hopeless her situation was. It was her faith that flipped the switch and released the power. Now, Jesus may not have known the woman, but he knew that power had gone out of him. Okay? Because it says in verse 32 that he knew, he knew this. He looked around to see her who had done this thing. So she touched the hem of Jesus' garment. He felt the power flowing out of him. He asked the question, who touched me? He wasn't looking at her at this stage. And then it prompted him, and note, she didn't come forward straight away. The first time Jesus asked who touched me, she said nothing. So when he turned around in the crowd, it says in verse 32, he looked around to see her who had done this thing. I believe once Jesus turned around, he relied on the Spirit of God to give him a word of knowledge. So he seen her, he knew it was her. Before Jesus turned around, he didn't know who touched him. She didn't make herself known right away. But what we need to understand, you say, why are these things important? Because what we need to understand is, Jesus didn't know who touched him until after the power of God flowed out of him. The healing power of God is already generated and available to his children. What we need to do is reach out and grab it by faith. We need to just reach out and grab it by faith. Right? It's not based on, on what we are, who we are, or anything like that, or how good we are. Right? If we get a hold of this revelation, we will understand that God doesn't pick and choose whom he heals. God doesn't pick and choose whom he heals. Faith, her faith is what made her well. Do you have faith? If you have faith, you can be healed. It's not based on whether Jesus chooses to do it for you or not. Jesus didn't even know this woman. She came and touched him. She violently came. She was violently resolved. She came forward and received her faith. She pushed through that crowd. She wasn't going to let anybody stop her. She wasn't going to let anybody's opinions or her fears or her concerns stop her. She went and pursued Jesus and she took her healing. He, was, he has provided our healing through our redemption. But what we need to do is appropriate it by faith. faith. You know, God has set his kingdom to operate on laws and we need to understand and cooperate with, this, with these laws. You know, in the, in the world, you often hear there's a popular phrase, right? And, it's, and it goes, what you don't know won't hurt you. That's not true. The Bible says in Hosea 4, 6, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. What you don't know can kill you. So you can stay ignorant to God's truths all you want, but it can kill you. If you don't violate, if, if you violate the laws and the God's word, if you violate what his word is telling you to do, it can leave you in danger. Right? 
Now, what I want to also say on that is, God isn't going to hold you accountable for something that you don't know. Okay? But that doesn't mean that you're going to have to walk, that you're going to be able to walk in everything that he's provided for you. He's not going to hold you accountable for something that you don't know. But don't stay in a place of ignorance. Keep pressing in. Keep hungering and thirsting for more of his word. And asking Holy Spirit to reveal new levels of it to you. So you can continue to push your faith. Church, it's good that you're in faith. If you're in faith, that's good. It's good that you're in faith. But don't just stay in that place of faith. Keep stretching your faith. Before you can stretch your faith, you're going to need to know more of his word. You're going to need to be more familiar with his word and be standing on more of his word. And then you can push out a wee bit more and push out a wee bit more and keep stretching and keep stretching and keep stretching it. Don't be exercising your faith to the same level as you were two years ago. Keep stretching your faith. Keep pressing. He's provided healing for you. So don't allow sickness to rob from you because you're ignorant to what belongs to you. Don't be ignorant to what belongs to you. Know that sickness belong, or that healing belongs to you. So don't allow sickness to rob that. And I want to just introduce this to you, and then I'm going to close with this. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 18. Proverbs chapter 18, in verse 20, it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the, pro, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And I just want to introduce this to you before we close tonight. I'm going to take this up further next week in talking about our words, right, when it comes to our healing. Our words are powerful, and with our words you can release life and you can release death. Right? You need to understand that there's power in your words, not only in a positive way, but in a negative way. If we're constantly speaking negative things, if we're constantly whining and complaining, that's what's going to be produced, right? That's what you're, going to, that's what you're speaking life to in your life. You're speaking life to, to the negative things. And they're going to come forth in your life. You know, you can come and you can believe God for your healing and you can come and for prayer or whatever it is and get laid hands on and ask God for your healing. And then you can walk out of this place. And if your words change, if your words go against what you've just believed for, you've just negated your faith. You can't let your words change. As in from where they need to be with the word of God, right? Sometimes our words need to change. As in if they're negative, you need to change them to what the word says. But don't let, don't let your confession drop. Don't let your confession get into the gutter. Your words are important. When you're whining and complaining and speaking negativity, you're releasing the negative power in your words through unbelief, right? And this unbelief will, will cancel out your faith. It counterbalances it. You know, some people have, have the attitude, it doesn't matter what I say, how can that change God? It doesn't matter what I say, sure, how can that change God? No, it doesn't change God, it changes you. Right? And it changes you to, to the point of what you can believe for. Why? Because what you say affects what you believe. So you need, to, you need to get a belief, 
You need to get into God's word, believe it, then start speaking it. But if that, if the words then take a U-turn and start going against what you, what you first believed, you're going to change what you believe. And you're going to go a different direction. You're going to start believing, oh, well, maybe this, is, maybe this is from God, or maybe this is the way it is meant to be, or maybe I am supposed to have this, or maybe I am supposed to have that. And then you're in bother. Don't change your confession. God uses our words. He used his words to form this earth. He uses it and he uses your words. He wants you to get lined up with him so you can make things happen. So he can make things happen through you by your words. Why do you think Jesus used prophets? Why do you think God used prophets? Because he needed somebody to, to, to speak his words. He needed somebody to speak forth in faith what was going to happen. He's waiting for you to get lined up, to get it synced up and hooked up with him so you can speak forth his truth and his word in this life. Amen? They're one of the most important ways to release our faith. And when you look at the negative side of it, it's one of the biggest roadblocks to our faith. And, and, and you know what? It, the most dangerous thing is so, so many times it's done so subtly you don't even realize it. Your words are so, your words drop and, and you know, somebody around you could say, now, watch your confession or don't, don't speak those things. And you don't even, you're like, oh, yes, yeah. You didn't even realize you were doing it. Stay saturated with the word. Stay consumed with his presence and your words will keep lined up with him. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for this wonderful time in your presence this evening, Lord for this wonderful refuel service. Thank you, Father, for breakthroughs that were received tonight, Lord. Visions, Lord, that were were given restored. Hearts, Lord, that, that received strength tonight, Lord, in what they're believing for. Thank you for coming to speak to us tonight, Lord. Oh, Lord, we're so thankful that we can hear directly from you. What an amazing gift, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and spending this time with us. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for ministering to us by your spirit and by your word. We thank you for this time we've had together, Lord. We leave here, Lord, different than the way we come in. Better. Change, Lord. More encouraged. More filled. More refueled. More refreshed. Ready for the remainder of our week, Lord. Thank you, Father, for the seed of your word that was planted in our hearts tonight, Lord, that it is on good ground. It will produce good fruit. And we will see your wonders. We will see your miracles. We will see your glory in our lives, Lord, and through our lives. We thank you for your goodness towards us, Lord. You're so faithful. Thank you for your faithfulness towards us, Lord. We thank you for the remainder of our week, Lord. We call it blessed. We call it prosperous. We thank you for opportunities this week, Lord, to let our light shine and be the body, be the church that you've called us to be. Thank you for the givers of this house, Lord, as we sow, as we have an opportunity to sow into your house tonight, Lord, that you give back to us, Lord, good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Thank you that you meet of all, all of our needs, Lord, and we get to sow into your kingdom. We're thankful for that, Lord. Thank you for an opportunity to give into eternity, Lord, to sow into people's lives, to people's destinies, eternal futures. Thank you, Lord. And I thank you for our protection, Lord, as we exit out of this place, as people make their way home, Lord, that your hand is upon them. Angels are, are released around them, Father, keeping them safe and secure. 
We thank you for our health and strength, Lord, as we've been learning, Lord, that healing is your will. It belongs to us. It is our portion. It is the children's bread. So I thank you for this body, Lord. I speak health and strength over this body. For those that are dealing with sicknesses right now, Lord, we come against them now. We say we bind you, Satan, in Jesus' name. And we thank you for health and strength. We thank you for your healing power to be released in our brothers and sisters, Lord. We thank you, Father, for your goodness, your faithfulness. Help us walk in love towards you, Lord, and walk in faith towards you and in love towards the people around us. Being unified. Thank you for unity, Lord. Being unified in our purpose to, to, to see your kingdom spread. And we thank you, Lord, that here at Island Church Dundalk, we are covered by your blood, empowered by your word, and anointed by the Holy Ghost. Amen. We are so glad you could join us for our latest message. We are located right in the centre of the town and we would love for you to call in and see us. Details are on our website at islandchurchdundalk.ie